Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, folks. Before we get to this week's episode, we want to take a quick moment and acknowledge the fact that while we talked a lot about spring break travel, the coronavirus has at least dampened some folks' travel plans. Yeah, this is obviously something that is continuing to grow, and we're not really sure how this is going to affect travel in Oregon. But what we do know is that the CDC is continuing to put out different recommendations for folks who are traveling, and we just urge anyone who might be traveling this spring break to look at those precautions and to maybe consider not traveling to places that you may normally go uh, if you're at all concerned about it. Yeah, so heed folks, uh, you know, public health officials, uh, warnings, stay on top of the news, and uh, ultimately enjoy your spring break however you spend it. Okay, now time for the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to see, and things to do. And today, Jamie, we're scheming up some spring break travel. That's right. Oregon's spring break is later this month, March 23 to 27, for anyone who has kids in school. And while lots of folks probably have their plans set in stone, I feel like a few probably don't. At least not yet, probably. But we've come up with a few road trips for those of you who are lucky enough to have some time off, want to make some moves, and don't really want to get on a plane. So, Jamie, where should we start? I feel like we should go over a few different itineraries for some different types of travelers. So why don't we just jump in right now and start with something that's pretty close to home, at least for those of us here in Portland. Yeah, okay. So let's sort this into kind of road trips, too, for maybe different kinds of travelers, people who maybe want different things out of their potential spring break road trip here. This first one I I mapped out is maybe for... An adventurous family who wants a bunch of variety out of their trip, but again, if you're coming from the Portland area, doesn't want to go so far to get it. So you could call this one the Mount Hood Loop. Ooh, yeah, it's a good one. I mean, it's an obvious road trip, right? You can just look at it on a map. You can go around the mountain, stay in Hood River, do some stuff around there, and head back to wherever you came from. So let's say you're leaving the Portland area on a Saturday morning. You can maybe have a leisurely wake up, try to maybe stay in Portland through that ski traffic up to the ski resorts, and then set off for Mount Hood going out US 26 or whatever you may to stop on the mountain for 
maybe some sledding or cross-country skiing or snowshoeing. Jamie, you've done all those things, or at least Actually, I don't know that you have done all those things. Have you cross-country skied? I have not. You know, we talked earlier this winter about how I wanted to learn how. That's and right. you know what? I still have not done we that. We haven't done it. There's still no. there's still some snow left, Jamie. We can still make this happen Thank this goodness. year. So we've covered this before in a previous episode, and you can go back and listen to that. But what are some snow play options up on the mountain? Well, you go to any snow park up there, and you can basically do whatever you want in the snow. But some areas are better for certain activities. So you've got sledding hills. You've got some areas that are good for snowshoeing or cross-country skiing. And some spots that are good for strapping up your dog to some skis. Not the dog on skis, but... Unless you're very adventurous. Oh, that's a little too adventurous, I think, for most people. But you get on the skis and you strap yourself to the dog with a leash or what have you and do a little ski joring or mushing. I'm still skeptical of the ski joring, but (laughs) uh, I do understand that people do it to great success, though I think maybe not all the time in the Pacific Northwest. Anyway, if you're a ski joerer, if that's the way to pronounce it, hit us up. So to continue this road trip, you would then, after doing something in the snow, something fun, you would continue around the mountain, out Oregon 35 to Hood River, where, Jamie, we've both spent a lot of time. Oh, yeah. You can stay the night, get some great eats, do any number of things. What are a, a tip or a trick or two what to do in Hood River? Hood River is all about that food scene, all about that drink scene. So it's a great spot to hit up any of those breweries, as we talked about in a previous episode with mm-hmm. our beer writer, Andre Meunier. There's a lot of great restaurants in Hood River as well. So hit the downtown area, find yourself a good spot to do that after skiing, drinking, and eating, and enjoy the town. Yeah, and I think I can speak for both of us when I put out the recommendation of Double Mountain. Oh, yeah. Their pizza. We've talked about this before, haven't we? I think we have. It's really good, and anyone traveling with kids is probably going to love it. I love this Mount Hood Loop, too, because it combines two of Oregon's best scenic byways. Mm -hmm. So if you do this loop, you're basically going along the Mount Hood Scenic Byway and connecting to the historic Columbia River Scenic Byway. And you just really can't beat the views of Mount Hood, the views of the Columbia River, all those waterfalls going through the gorge. It's really one of the most scenic spots in the state. For sure. And you can scale it up or down from this point, too. If you say you only wanted to spend two days... Stay the night in Hood River and then zip on right back to where you came from, hitting a bunch of waterfalls along the way. Or you could say, I want to stay in Hood River for two nights or more. And you could do any number of hikes or, I don't know, awesome stuff along the way. A lot of people do this as a day trip, too. Yeah, that's true. You know, my parents just had some friends in from out of town and they took them through the gorge, then just up to Timberline Lodge and then back into Portland. And that was a nice day trip if you have less time, but you still want to get out and see a bunch of stuff. It's a great spot to go. So word to the wise, this is a good kind of low impact, not a ton of travel road trip that you could take with even only one full day. Now, of course, not every family is enamored by the outdoors. I don't understand it personally, but I respect it. And that doesn't mean there's nothing for you to go see in Oregon. If you have kids or even if you don't, you might be more than a little bit interested in Oregon's roadside attractions, of which there are many. And you've rattled these off before, Jamie. You've listed some of your favorites in a story that we'll link to in the show notes. But what's maybe a road trip to go hit some of them? One of my favorite areas to do this is in the southwest corner of Oregon. It doesn't have the most roadside attractions in that region, but it has what I think are some of the best in the state. So if you go down I-5 to Grants Pass, you can see the famous 
Grants Pass Caveman, the big caveman statue <laughs> over there. It's kind of near the In-N-Out Burger. And just up the highway from there, you can go to the Oregon Vortex, which I think is one of the coolest roadside attractions in the state. And just going from there, you can head down 199 into Northern California, past the Redwoods, and get back to 101 and go up the southern Oregon coast to prehistoric gardens, which is this place that is set in the woods and it's full of giant two-scale concrete dinosaur statues. Whoa. That sounds actually pretty sweet. And I bet a lot of families with kids would really have a good time there. What are some other maybe areas of the state where you can track down some good roadside attractions? I would say that the Willamette Valley in and of itself has a huge cluster of attractions everywhere. You've got the Harvey the Rabbit statue. You've got the giant peace candle. You've got all kinds of stuff here in the Willamette Valley. So if you want to do a little day trip up and down the valley, you can do that. But I also like going out into central and eastern Oregon, where you can see some uh, a lot of these rock ranches and some other just random stuff. I love the the travel writer in you is coming out big time right now because you can just like shout out super casually like the really big rabbit the super candle like you never seen the big rabbit i actually i know that the big rabbit exists but i don't know that i've actually ever seen it in person that's fair i actually have not seen it in person either but i you know just the level of casual tone that you can just throw out like all of these things and talk about them like they're household items uh is awesome so kudos to you for that (laughs) I'll tip uh, our conversation back toward things that I can confidently talk about here. And first and foremost, anyone who listens to the podcast knows that I can talk about skiing. Back to the snow. Back to the snow. So guess what? It's still time to get some good skiing in. And you can plan the ski trip of your dreams right here in Oregon. Maybe it's not the best ski trip in the world, but it's a pretty darn good one if you ask me. So if I was coming from the Portland area, as I would, I would head down I-5. I would bump over to the sisters area book a spot to stay and then wake up early the next day and bump over to hoodoo which is this cool smaller ski resort that a lot of folks are driving by on their way to bend but maybe haven't stopped at before or perhaps it's a destination for folks in its own right surely many folks enjoy hoodoo as have i but you can stop there ski for the day and then make kind of the drive over into Bend, one of our favorite spots, as you know, and ski probably Oregon's biggest winter destination resort, Mount Bachelor, the next day. So you have two awesome back-to-back days of skiing. Maybe you could take your foot off the gas for a second, relax and bend for a second day, maybe enjoy a brewery or two, or visit the High Desert Museum, or do some snowshoeing, or just bumping around downtown. It's a fun place to hang out. And then... If you're ready to keep moving, you can head on out to Mount Hood, ski for a day at your favorite resort there, maybe Mount Hood Ski Bowl or Mount Hood Meadows, Timberline Ski Area, or one of the smaller two there on the mountain, and then head back to wherever you came from, Jamie. Just kind of do one big loop hitting at least three of Oregon's awesome ski resorts. I like that because I feel like a lot of skiing what I hear from people is done as a day trip. Yeah. I'm going to go up to Mount Hood for the day and come back home. But doing it as a road trip and stringing together, like you said, some of these ski resorts that maybe you don't go to all the time or that you've never been to is a really cool opportunity to sort of, you know, ski your way across Oregon. Totally. I think a lot of people from Portland do exactly what you just described, which is I'm going to go up to the mountain, Mount Hood, ski all day or ski for part of the day, come back home. 
bang, 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 back and forth. And maybe don't get outside of their normal resort all that often. And a road trip is a fun way to see a couple places and experience kind of a little bit more of what the Cascades have to offer in the wintertime. Now, are there any other ski areas around Oregon that people can also do if they say wanted to extend their road trip out a little farther? Yeah, I mean, I skied in February at Anthony Lakes Mountain Resort, which is out in eastern Oregon. That was a blast. It's a one chairlift setup in a, a beautiful location in the mountains and I had a great time. I, th- I went on a Thursday, so it was half off lift tickets, walked in for 20 bucks, skied until about noon, and then got on my way. And you could go down to Mount Ashland. You could hit a number of places throughout the state, Willamette Pass, and have a similar experience depending on what direction you wanted to go. I feel like with all that skiing, you're definitely going to want to find somewhere to hold up with a good meal and a good drink after a long day. You know, I don't do enough of that, Jamie. I say every <laughs> year that I want to kind of revel in the ski scene and hang out and have a burger and a beer afterward and i'm doing so much of the zipping back and forth between mount hood and home but you're right you do want to settle down after a big day on the mountain and grab like some warm mac and cheese or a bowl of chili or a burger yourself jim man you don't have to tell me twice i guess (laughs) well maybe i'll treat myself next time So we're going to take a quick break here, but after we come back, we're going to talk about a couple more Oregon road trips right after a short break. All right, folks, we're back talking about some spring break road trips. Of course, for those of you who are fortunate enough to have a spring break, but don't yet have plans. And Jamie, I'm going to defer to you actually for our next pick here. Jim, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the Oregon coast, one of my favorite places to take road trips. And there's a great way to do it by traveling to each of the coast's 11 lighthouses. Ooh, tell me about it. They're found from Tillamook Head down to the southern border, and several of them offer public access inside. So you can basically just go north to south. We'll put a link to the map on the show notes here. You can go up to Cape Mears Lighthouse. You can go to Yaquinta Head Lighthouse, Hasita Head Lighthouse, Umpqua River. There's plenty that you can go to. And if you're there when they're offering tours, it's a really cool way to get sort of in that mindset of what it was like for these lighthouse keepers back in the 19th century, hauling buckets of oil up. It wasn't always so romantic. And it's a really cool way to understand that history. And if they're not open, well, then you just get a really cool look at the lighthouse itself. Get a cool picture for your social media and go to the next one. So if you were to do one of these trips, you know, from north to south, what's a natural like stopping point somewhere along the way to to stay the night? Depending on how many lighthouses you can see in a day and how many nights you want to stay, you're looking at sort of these major cities that are on the stopping points in the coast. Newport's a good one, but so is Florence, because that's kind of right in the middle of these 11 lighthouses. Yahats is another great spot to stop to on the central coast. So any of those bigger towns on the central coast are going to be a good spot to stop over for a night. Cool, cool. I can dig it. And Jamie, do you have a favorite or one that you would spend more time kind of focusing in on? Boy, Jim, that's like asking to pick among children. I had a feeling you were going to say something Jeez, like that. you know, the, the Akina Head Lighthouse is... I think one of my favorites. That's the one that comes to mind first anyway. But that area is just so cool. It's designated as an outstanding natural area by the BLM. 
So there's tide pools, there's cobblestone beaches, some hikes. So it's not just the lighthouse, but there's so much stuff to do around it. You could spend a full day just at that one spot. So I was going to say, you could build a lot of time into your itinerary to spend just there. Exactly. Very cool. Anything else we should hit on that before we move on, Jamie? You know, I would just say, as always, if you're going to be going out in March to the coast, just keep weather in mind. It may be beautiful blue sky, and it also may be a torrential downpour. So make sure you pack your rain gear. If you're going to be going out any kind of hikes, make sure, like we've mentioned in the previous episode, to bring your rainy day hiking gear with you. And be aware of sneaker waves and not turning your back on the ocean generally. Exactly. So I kind of want to wrap things up here with a couple of quick hits. So ideas for where you could go, maybe for, for folks who have kind of different interests. So one that I had put together, Jamie, or one that I had actually found on a previous list that you wrote of Oregon road trips is one for Old West history buffs. So hit the Oregon Trail Interpretive Center near Baker City. Check out the old Sumter Valley Gold Dredge, and then stop by the living Old West ghost town of Shan- Shanico. I, you know, that's a good question. Crap. I would say Shanico. Shanico. You got to think about someone living there saying it. Shanico. Shanico. Um, a second one that I grabbed from your list of uh, at least Oregon attractions, things to do, road trip for Oregon bridge lovers. So you can kind of chart yourself a path that allows you to see several of Oregon's dozens of covered bridges. And Jamie, you've said there's 54 here? 54, which is more than any other Western state. And you can hit a pretty good concentration of them, as I understand it, in the Willamette Valley. Yeah, there's some areas where you can hit up, you know, four or five in one little stretch. And there's some that are sort of scattered throughout the state, but the Willamette Valley is where you want to stay if you want to see most of them anyway. Pretty cool. What else, Jamie? We've got one for National Park aficionados. Well, there's five National Park sites in Oregon. That is parks that are managed by the National Park Service. Of course, you have Crater Lake, which is the only full-fledged national park. But you also have the John Day Fossil Beds, Oregon Caves, uh, Lewis and Clark Historical Park, and the McLaughlin House, which is in Oregon City and technically part of the Fort Vancouver National Historical Site, which is in Vancouver. But if you string all those together, you've got a really cool road trip that you can say, hey, look, I visited all the national parks in Oregon. And cover a lot of ground while you're at it. You got the desert, you've got the mountains, you've got uh, so many, the, the coast, so many parts of the state. Super cool, Jamie. Now, we don't get a spring break here at the Oregonian, unfortunately. Maybe we should work on that. But what do you have coming up? Well, Jim, I'm thinking ahead to spring and summer hiking and realizing that my body is like not exactly at that point where I needed to be. Not ready yet. Huh? Not ready yet. So I'm hitting up some of my go-to spring conditioning hikes in the Columbia Gorge, out in the Coast Range. So Hamilton Mountains is a place I love to go to. Elks Mountain and Kings Mountain are great spots to go to that offer that challenging hike, not only to get myself in shape, but to sort of test where I'm at, to see if my body is ready to take on these hikes that I really want to do later in the season. And this is also here a guy who goes hiking for a living and has to pound out a lot of miles in order to cover everything he needs to do. So I got to make sure I'm in shape for it. That's the truth, man. That's the truth. Myself, I'm kind of in this mode right now where my default is still skiing uh, at a ski resort. You still? Still. Yeah, it's kind of my deal. But 
my weekend calendar is mostly empty for the next couple weeks. And, you know, if the weather allows, I'm going to look to get out and do maybe some climbing, backcountry skiing, other fun stuff, if the conditions allow for it. So Let me ask we'll you this, see. Jim. You've been skiing how many times this season? Oh, boy. So let's see. We are recording here in early March, and I have been, I think, 18 times wow. since November. I think. I might be wrong on that total, but approximately 18 times uh, doing skiing that involved some downhill component. Do you feel like you have reached a point where you've said, my ski season is complete. I feel like I've done enough to say it has been a full season. I am satisfied so far with the skiing that I've done, but I think I'll end up doing quite a bit more. Well, I think we'd be disappointed if you didn't, Jim. I think that's fair. I will shout out one activity, actually, that I I had never done before. It was recently in Sun Valley, and I went skate skiing. Skate skiing? Skate skiing. So you ever seen this on the Olympics where basically you're on a ski that's similar to a Nordic ski or a cross-country ski? I couldn't exactly tell you what the difference is. When you have very long poles and you are almost skating in a similar way to how an ice skater would push off. So you're pushing off with your feet out to the side and also using your poles and kind of propelling yourself forward on trails that are either undulating or mostly flat, at least at my beginner level. And that does not count as one of my ski days, even though I did do a little bit of skiing in a downhill fashion. But that was really hard and really fun and is also something you can do on Mount Hood on a groomed trail if you so choose. Well, it's awesome to hear that you're getting out there, that you're trying some new things and challenging yourself. I'm happy to hear it, Jim. It was really hard, really hard. But Jamie, I think it is time to say goodbye for now. What do you think? I think you're right. All right, folks. Well, until next time, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at peak northwest this episode of the podcast was produced by me jim ryan alongside jamie hale and brooke herbert stay safe and happy travels everyone until next time we leave you with this 10 seconds of zen